Welcome back, everybody, to the Man at 50 podcast. I'm your host, S. Richard, author of the book, Man at 50, A Journey of Crisis, Revelation, and Survival. So let's get started on the Man at 50 podcast, a podcast that is for you, your little person within you, your hopes, your dreams, and hopefully a new plan for the future. Welcome back, everybody, to the Man at 50 podcast. I'm your host, S. Richard, and we have a uh, guest on with us for this podcast, for this episode, um, by the name of Michael Evans. And Michael is an amazing, amazing author. Uh, he is 18 years old, and he has published nine novels and five novellas. Uh, until recently, um, I wasn't even sure what a novella was, but, but I know now. So uh, it's, it's exciting, uh, and we're going to be talking with him today. He's going to tell us a little bit about his books, um, his inspiration uh, for writing the books, and as a young author, a very successful young author with multiple uh, books and series that he's put together, um, he also has a vision for the future, and he has a purpose uh, and and a direction uh, and a reason for writing these books, not just to write books that are cool, but he has a mission uh, behind that. So uh, I believe Michael is on the line with us. Michael, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Thank you so much for having me on. Really excited to be here today. Well, oh, you're welcome. Uh, welcome to the uh, Man at 50 podcast. Um, you are uh, less than half of 50 years old, but uh, I think uh, you must be an old soul because you have, you have uh, wisdom beyond your years. And uh, I just, I, I admire you. And I, I think uh, it's just, it's, it's fantastic. It's, it's, it's just uh, great to have you on the podcast. Um, go ahead and tell us about what is your current book or series that you currently have out there. And then we'll kind of step back uh, and start from the beginning because I think it's important for the listeners to understand um, that you have, um, you have created your own kind of world. And uh, at 18 years old, I think it's really important for them to know what you have out now. And then we'll go back to the beginning and kind of fill them in uh, and give them all the exciting details. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I'll say that right now, um, like, and this is, I guess, one of the first podcasts slash times I'm mentioning this. But I'll, I'll give a little quick teaser to everyone. I'm coming out with um, a new series on May 31st. And the first three books launch um, um, between May 31st and July 15th. And uh, that series set in the same universe as all of my other books, which I'm sure we'll get into. And it's, uh, it's called World Gone Mad. It's a post-apocalyptic thriller series. And uh, it should be timely, but it's, uh, it'll be – I'm very excited for it. It should be very, very much – the best work I've done yet in the sense of not only is it a work that I'm super passionate about, but it's a work that I know that readers uh, really want to. And it's the first time I've really gone into the work thinking about the reader from day one and what do they want and what can I, I can, what can I provide to them? So I'm excited about that. But what I have out now is, um, the Conspiracy Chronicles. It's my latest series. It's set in the same world as World Gone Mad. And they're all tied together, my books, in kind of overt ways once you get to the end of the series. But 
you don't need to start one series to read another series. It's all different entrance points into the same universe. It's kind of like the Marvel Cinematic Universe or a lot of other famous science fiction universes. You don't need to read one or start at one movie to understand it all. And uh, for me, that's kind of how my series work. They're different franchises, how I view them. And the current franchise that I have out right now is The Conspiracy Chronicles. It's a near future science fiction thriller series about um, uh, world altering technology, uh, secret society of elites who are hell bent on world domination. And then one boy who's the heir to a multi billion dollar tech empire. And he happens to basically have control of this world altering technology that could be used to save the world that is falling apart due to AI and climate change, or it could be used to end the world. And that's kind of what the secret organization wants to use it for. So the entire series, or at least the first book, is a battle between um, the secret organization and the boy for control of this technology. And uh, that, that kicks it off. And I guess you, you could see a common theme in a lot of my books is that um, I like to talk about future technologies in my books and a society that's pretty close to where we're at today. I, I envision it really, the universe is a parallel universe to our own. It's set in our world, similar places, and you know, definitely everything's recognizable, but wow. there's always a twist. And that twist usually comes in the form of a future technology that I believe you know, we're headed in the direction where these technologies actually will be in our future. And I'm trying to explore, okay, they could be used for good and they could be used for bad. And sometimes I'll show, okay, they totally destroyed the world. This is how we can fix it. Other times I'll show, okay, this can destroy or save the world. How are they going to make sure it's used for good? And uh, that, that's what I like to explore in my novels. And specifically, that's, you know, as mentioned, The Conspiracy Chronicles is about that world darkening technology. And just to give a preview of what the technology is, it deals with virtual worlds and uh, my, uh, brain uploading your brain to the cloud. So and it seems kind of far-fetched stuff in today's world, but um, due to initiatives that both the Obama administration put in place, the Brain Initiative, and uh, what the European Union has in place, and then China is going for it too, um, we're fast-headed towards a world where we're going to be fully immersed into computers. And I want to explore um, basically what that would mean for not only humanity, but just the actual, like, what that would even mean for the individual in it, not as just not only the collective. So yeah, that's what I write about. And those are a few of my books. <laughs> um, I'm sure the, I'm sure the li listeners are going, wow, amazing. And OMG, cause that's just, uh, it, it's real world stuff. Um, you know, it sounds like the, the things that, uh, that you're writing about uh, definitely are applicable um and and really like they could just plug right into the to the world that we're living right now um i am so much older than you so uh to have the foresight or 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 to to be able to look at a parallel universe or look at um you know two worlds uh making different decisions and sometimes similar decisions uh, and put that into context as far as what we're experiencing um, now. Um, to be honest with you, when I was 18 years old, I had no idea what any administration was doing or what, whatever, whatever uh, any of the other countries in the world were doing. And so, uh, you know, I, I find that to be just amazing that you're aware of that and, um, and you are taking that knowledge that you have and putting it into an actual um, book into an actual message for people to kind of connect yeah, the dots yeah. for themselves. 
So that's what you currently have out is the Conspiracy Chronicles. Uh, is that is that correct? Yeah, I have another series, the Control Freak series, which is set in the same universe too. But that's it came out before it. So like my latest series is that. And I will say too on, on that point, uh, thank you for uh, complimenting me there. But I will say that I definitely can't take credit for all the information I know. Obviously, uh, what's really cool about technology is like the I was born. I feel like at a, a really awesome time. We're all alive in a really awesome time where. Well, the internet has a lot of really bad things that it's done, undoubtedly. And you could point to one technology and there's always, you know, there's two sides of the coin. Um, I think the internet is an unbelievable resource and I've been able to use the internet and being able to access information, access books, the internet, all these great things at low or no cost. And that's how I've been able to kind of develop a worldview. If it would be impossible to like, if, if 40 years ago, right? Like if I didn't have the internet at my disposal, there's no way no way I would have been able to do that. So I, I definitely won't take credit for knowing mm -hmm. things about the world. That's just <clears throat> me having a window to the world and taking advantage of it. Right. And, and that's, but that's to be, you know, uh, commended. And um, there's a lot of information out there. And as we all are on the internet uh, more these days with uh, all the shelter in place uh, orders and things, um, I, I guess what I respect uh, mostly uh, in regards to what you just said is that you are utilizing the information for learning and you are utilizing, you're taking the information, but you're creating a positive uh, result. You're not just taking in all the information uh, and, and, and not use, using it. You're, you're, you're putting it to use in a positive way. And uh, I think that is, is terrific. Um, there is a, there's a lot of good information uh, out there. Uh, I myself find tons of information on YouTube. There is actually a lot of good stuff on YouTube and a lot oh, of yeah. bad stuff. And so it really just depends on what you click on and what you decide to watch and, and learn or not learn. So um, that's, that's incredible. Um, just want yeah, well, to, I, I will say too that uh, just to like my, my caution point on that is my advice to anyone deciding between what is good information and what is bad information um, I would, uh, the, my biggest thing is that basically humans learn in stories. It's why I write stories. That's how we learn. It's beautiful. And when we go online, we're consuming stories and it's hard to know what is true. What is not true? Why is someone telling this story? Why is someone not telling maybe a specific story? Because, you know, obviously the internet has a lot of information, but some information doesn't make it to the internet and isn't really publicly promoted. So I would always recommend to look at a wide array of sources, listen to multiple sides of both the news of what's going on in the current world of both any specific issue, because there's always two sides of the coin. And if someone ever is going to proclaim that this is the answer, odds are they're wrong because I firmly believe there's no right or wrongs in this world. And it's our job as the consumer of information to look at that basically nutrition label on the back. And what I mean by that is look at the other side to what they're saying. And oftentimes you have to go somewhere else to find it. And the good thing about the internet is going somewhere else to find it is as easy as one click away most of the times, or just one Google search away. And it's really important to do that because um, although it's really hard to find the truth, any objective truth in this world, nearly impossible, um, you do have to develop a broad perspective. Otherwise um, you you could potentially become really narrow-minded. And if you're telling stories like me, your stories aren't going to appeal to much people. But even if you're just just trying to consume information to understand what's going on in this crazy world, 
you're not going to actually really know what's going on because you're going to know one person's view of it. And it's impossible for one person to see the whole world for what it really is. But if you talk to 30 people, there's a better chance they've got closer to the right view. But I'll, I'll you know, just caution, it's impossible to get a full picture of mm -hmm. really where it's going. Um, but you can try. You can try. And, and self-thought or, or self-understanding, um, individual thought. Um, obviously we're, we're missing that in the world. <laughs> there's, yeah. uh, there's, there's less thinkers out there than there used to be. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Um, and so, uh, think for yourself, folks, I, I think is, is the bottom line uh, on that. Um, I want to, uh, we're going to come up, <clears throat> excuse me, we'll be coming up on a short break here, but before we do that, I wanted to, um, go back to now you're 18 years old now published nine novels and five novellas. You wrote your first book at the age of 13. And tell us, um, was that the Control Freaks series? Yeah, it was the first book in the Control Freaks series. I mean, the book that's published now was re redone in multiple times. Uh, so that first edition I wrote at 13 is not currently what anyone can read. Um, but yes, the first time I wrote that was when I was 13. And pretty much just since then, I've been writing every day, writing nonstop. And since the beginning of 2017, quite literally, so that was like th three years ago, pretty much a little over three years ago now, um, that's when I dedicated myself to, um, I'm going to become an author, whatever it takes. I was 14 turning 15 at the time. And um, ever since then, I've worked really hard to to just build this career. And you know, I will say that for years and years, there was basically no progress. And right now over the last hundred days or so, I'm starting to really see that payoff happen. And it's not going to take probably another year to get to like that first next level that I want to hit. And it'll take years after that to um, really be where I want to be. So I'll say that, yeah, like I did start young and that's like, you know, like I'm thankful for that, but it, no matter how, young or old you start you know i put old in quotations mark because age doesn't really matter um the journey to getting to your your dream which for me my dream was to be able to support myself doing what i love every day um takes takes a long time and there's going to be mistakes on the way i can go um down a ton of mistakes that i've made that i look back on and i don't regret i'm happy i made them um so my biggest thing is like if someone looks at my story and goes like, wow, like look all he's done. Um, that's, I want to say that anyone can do that as long as you put a lot of hard work into it and are willing to sacrifice. And um, I'm happy to get into all those sacrifices that I made and get into really how I got to, you know, being a 13 year old who wanted to be, um, who really just wanted to tell a story, didn't even really know he wanted to be an author. And then to be someone today who is, on the cusp of building an author empire for lack of better words that's basically where i'm headed down in my route um there's a big gap to fill in the middle there and for anyone who has a dream i just my my biggest thing is because we all have dreams something oh we wish we could do that break it down into tiny little goals and be, write down what sacrifices you are willing to make to get to that first step that first hurdle um and for me that first hurdle was saving up enough money to get a summer job and to publish my first book and to get a summer job and to get a job during school too, I had to stop playing sports um, to be able to do that and writing. 
and I love sports and played a lot, but I figured, what do I want to do more? Do I want to be an author or do I want to be in the varsity basketball team? Um, or I think at the time it was junior varsity or, but whatever, uh, you know, I decided I'm going to, I'm going to write books. And that was a tough decision at the time. And I've made plenty of decisions for, uh, since one reason I have nine books out because I mean, it takes a long time to write nine books. You don't just pop them out. Um, is I've taken a gap year and majority of those books have been written during a year where I've basically taken a year to work full time on my career. Um, and how I did that was I decided to graduate high school year early. And that was basically, I sacrificed my senior year, which I totally was okay with that sacrifice, but you know, like kiss goodbye to prom, kiss goodbye to any sort of normal graduation. And, um, even like kind of like a really unique thing in my story, I ended up, um, finishing number one in my class, but I couldn't give the speech because I graduated early. So I had to sacrifice the opportunity of giving, um, my graduation speech uh, to do that. And I just kept making sacrifices. I've every money, every penny I've made at my job, I've reinvested into this business and um, basically have lived, um, you know, I'm fortunate again, my age, I have a unique advantage of my age in the sense that, um, you know, every parent has to provide their kid with food and water and a roof over their head um, through 18. So that, that's been something that I've taken advantage of because I've been able to reinvest more of my money than an adult with a family would, or, um, you know, just someone who has to support themselves, frankly. I, I've taken that to my advantage, but I've still basically sacrificed everything for it. And again, my path's different than most people's paths, but all our paths are different than most people's paths. And um, I hope that, you know, if you're listening, you can take some pieces of what I'm doing in my mindset and learn that it's a long journey. It's a fun one, at least it was for me. And I, I commend everyone, make it fun while you're doing it. But if you have a dream, no matter what that dream is, make it a goal and, and go for it today because especially now there's no better time to capitalize on what you want to do than a time when the world is changing, when your life is changing a lot. And when we really, the world needs people who want to provide value in a good and honest way. And yeah, that's my strong belief. And uh, I'll, if you want to dive into anything that I said there a little bit more, I'll, I'll let you, uh, pick where you want to dive in more. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I was just, you know, kind of taking it all in and, um, you know, from, from my perspective and from, um, from my listeners, the people that I speak to, that I work with, um, the older generation, um, as you know, my, my, my deal, okay, is helping other people, um, finding their little me, um, their little selves and I help others. I, I did it for myself first, but I help others go back and uh, go back to their younger self and reconnect with, with the dream, the inspiration, the, the essence of who they were as a child and their dreams and their goals before, before the world or before life beat them up. And yeah. so my, my purpose or my mission is to help others of a similar age, you know, in, in, in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, uh, to help them do what you're doing in their way with their dream, their goal, and their energy, um, their commitment to themselves. And you are the perfect example to me, um, of what I'm encouraging 
people of my age to emulate and duplicate. Um, they need to have that strong passion and that strong commitment to themselves like you do at 18 years old. And it's never too late to, to reconnect with that and to find that. But for people such as myself that are older, we need to go back. We need to go back through all the stuff, all the experiences, all the negative things that we've went through. If we're, you know, if we're in a place currently that we're not happy with our lives, our job, career, relationship, whatever the case may be. Oh yeah. Uh, the answer is go back and reconnect to a time that you were happy and you had dreams and you thought about, you know, things that you wanted to do when you grew up and go back there and reconnect with that and then move forward as an adult, but bring that dream with you and, and you don't have to lose it a second time. I agree with, with everything you're saying. And I'll take a little bit of a different uh, a view on that, just add something to it. Cause I agree with that 100% is that what, what I did because I didn't just come out of the womb wanting to be a storyteller, you know, like that'd be weird um, in the sense that no one knows what they want to do coming out of the womb. Right. And I also was not at 13, as I said in the beginning, thinking that I'd be an author, right. That's also not a normal thing. I mean, kids do think that, right. But I actually wasn't one of those kids. I had always written stories. Oh, I'd love stories, but that wasn't what I wanted to do. And I, I'll tell you what I wanted. I wanted to be someone who researched nanotechnology and I wanted to, work on helping curing mental health disorders. That's actually what I wanted to do at, um, at 13. And I, I realized that and all basically what, what I would do when I was a kid is I'd read a lot. Um, and that's probably common for a lot of people, but especially a lot of artists. And um, I read a lot of science journals, a lot of fiction books. And basically what brought me to the point of wanting to be a scientist was I had own my own personal struggles in my life, mainly due to family, divorce, and mental health issues with my family. That brought me to the conclusion that um, I don't want anyone to have to go through this. Um, and I want to basically help people that they have chemical imbalances, if they have, you know, their brain's not wired in a way that's conducive to them living a happy life. I wanted to help boost that process for them, right? So that's what I wanted to do. But then I realized something that, not saying that it isn't a great path, by the way, if anyone wants to do that, like that is a great path. I'll just say that. But for me, I realized that where my passion was, where the hairs on my arms, and this is what I get to, it's not the moment that I was happy. It's the moment that the hairs on my arms stood up. It wasn't when I was sitting in science class in you know, biology or chemistry class, learning about how atoms were put together, about how the brain is wired. It was about thinking about how these big ideas would impact society and would impact people. That's what fascinated me. Not the specifics of it. It was the big ideas of how would these things shape people. So then I learned a little bit more and I realized something that technology is only a power that can be used for bad or good. And that story is a way to influence how that's used. So then I kind of found my purpose at the intersection between the value I wanted to ride to the world and my childlike fantasy. So I'll put it this way. Everyone's fantasy, in my opinion, like just come off, it would be to write fiction stories about made up stuff all day. The other thing is, you know, maybe it's not everyone's fantasy to be in a lab working on, in my opinion, kind of more 
boring sciencey stuff all day long. I'm not saying anything's wrong with that, but for me, that didn't get my me going. But what I've really found is my my purpose and what I should be doing in life was at the intersection between the value that I knew the world needed and the value that I wanted to create. And that intersection is what I've been doing. And I'll say this, that I was a happy kid and I'm lucky that I've been happy for most of my life. Um, great, great childhood memories. But the happiness that I've felt in the last year when I've dived head into my passion is something that I can't explain. It's, it's that much better than anything I've experienced before. And I'll give you an example. When I would sit in school, I was, I was miserable most of the time in school. I didn't like school. I thought it was boring. I, I really did not like school, genuinely disliked it. And the environment, uh, I went to public school and um, I think public school is great. Um, but at the same time, it's an interesting environment that was not my favorite. And, um, and I say public school just because if someone went to private school listening or a charter school or homeschooled, I, I don't know what that experience is. But I know what the public school experience is. And it, it is not ideal. It's not like this amazing experience every day. And there was good moments, but there's a lot of moments where you go, this is terrible. And for me, I kind of felt like that was my nine to five day job experience. And I had this wake up call one day where I was doing my online classes that I was doing to kind of like get ahead and working on homework, just doing all, a million things at once that I hated, that didn't feel like they were actually benefiting me. And I had this wake up call where I'm like, what am I doing? And at this point I had been doing the writing stuff and was pretty dedicated to it, but I hadn't taken the risk yet to dive in. And that's the key word. I hadn't taken the risk. And finally I said, all right, this is, I can't keep living like this. I can't keep waking up every day, not knowing how I'm going to make it through the day. And, and I kid you not, like that was without exaggeration, how I woke up. I woke up tired. I woke up exhausted. And I always said, how am I going to complete what I'm doing today? Not because it was like some super huge challenge, but because emotionally it's draining to be in an environment and to be doing something that truly doesn't make you happy and that you truly don't love. So mm -hmm. I decided, uh, for lack of better words, uh, screw this. Um, and I'm going to take a gap year, which I had to convince my parents to do. That wasn't easy. Um, make a few sacrifices and just said, I'm going to dive in full force into my passion. And by doing so, I've, my perspective in the world has totally shifted and I've definitely experience fulfillment. I, every day isn't a happy day. Of course it's not, but most days are happy days. I'm lucky in that, but every day is a fulfilling day and that's the best feeling. And to feel fulfilled every day is just awesome. It's exhilarating. And I remember there was one time uh, I am going to university next year. And there was one time when I was doing something for my university where I had to like sit in for like some weird lecture for like a college interview weekend. And it was the first time I had felt bored in 10 months. And I felt like what am I doing? I'm sitting here and I felt so bored. I didn't know what to do with myself. And I don't have ADHD or anything like, you know, hyperactive disorder. That's not me. But I was so just like, what am I doing here? Get me out of here. And I realized that was how I used to feel every single day. I was me every single day, just in this state of like zombie, what am I doing here? And, you know, after 10 months of like a detox of that, you go back to it for 30 minutes and you can't even live a life like that anymore. So it's very, I'll, I'll, my, very... my ending to all that is saying that what I've learned, agreeing with everything that you said, is that oftentimes when you look back at your childhood happiness, a lot of people may not have happy moments in their childhood because they may be, you know, dealt with terrible sexual abuse or all these terrible things that go on. And there might be slivers of happiness. 
And you might go, well, the happiness always fades. And I would agree with you on that. Even when you're 70 years old, you're living on an island drinking margaritas. Hopefully, we, if you want that, you get to that point. That happiness, will it will fade. But the fulfillment won't. And the fulfillment for me has not faded from day one. Although the happiness, it ebbs and flows like a roller coaster. And it's, you know, you want it to be even roller coasters because no one likes the huge bumps and highs. And you want more <laughs> highs than lows. Right. I'm fortunate that right now there's more highs than lows. But what's been consistent is that fulfillment, that exhilaration of being on the roller coaster that doesn't stop, the adrenaline. That's what I felt. And I definitely firmly believe that everyone can get there. And I believe that the key to fulfillment, um, as I said before, is finding out what value does the world want and what value do you want to create? And bang, what's that intersection? And likely that's how you can lead a fulfilling life by finding that intersection and just with all your focus, piercing an arrow through it. That's amazing stuff. I'm sure the listeners would agree that um, all those dots just come together. Um, I know they make sense for me. They make sense for you. Um, and it's, you know, they're spoken with such wisdom and such strength. Um, yeah, it's uh, great stuff. We're going to take, we're going to take a short uh, sponsor break. And when we come back, we're going to continue speaking with Michael Evans. Uh, he is the author of The Conspiracy Chronicles and uh, Dead Wave. Is that right? Dead, Dead Wave? Yes. Um, yeah. Also, um, he has published nine books and five novellas. So I will not remember all the titles, but we uh, will have uh, his website. I forget them sometimes too. <laughs> we'll have his website posted in the show notes. Uh, so you can go to his website and check out all of his books. He's also, uh, obviously he's on Barnes and Noble and Amazon. And uh, uh, we can talk about that when we, uh, when we get back from a short break. So hang in there. And when we come back uh, more with Michael Evans. Welcome back everybody to the man of 50 podcast. We have been speaking with a amazing young man by the name of Michael Evans. He is the author of nine novels and five novellas. Um, he is, in my opinion, a old soul. Um, I don't know if any of the listeners out there believe in reincarnation, but uh, uh, I tend to lean towards that being a possibility. Um, uh, Mr. Evans is with us today, and he is sharing his insight and perspective, um, his mindset, his goals, his dreams, his passion. Um, once again, I reiterate, he is 18 years old. Um, I am 56, so there is a small age gap. Um, but the things that he is sharing and, and um, his reason, his why for writing the books uh, that he writes um, is is just incredible and and I hope the listeners are are gaining uh, as much insight and and motivation uh, that that I am from our our discussion so welcome back Michael and uh, it was a short break but uh, let's uh, continue on with this uh, amazing interview and I'm really enjoying the input um, we left off with you talking about excuse me the intersection of of the value the world uh, needs, I believe, yes. and and the value that an individual needs um, within themselves, and finding that intersection is is uh, is your happy place. That's that's your happy spot, you know, yeah. uh, for lack of better words. Um, and and I really agree with that. Um, 
something that you said before we went to break that I wanted to kind of revisit um, because I, I think it's applicable to um, to my listeners and and to anyone that listens you know to uh, to my podcast is you, w- growing up when you were when you were younger. And, uh, and, and I have to laugh because when, when I'm speaking to someone that's 18 years old, it's like, well, when you were, when you were back in the day, when you were younger, you know, and it's like, well, that wasn't that far back, um, for someone like me, that was a long time ago. But, um, but when you were, when you were younger, like you, you said, before you started the writing, um, you wanted to be in the world of science and you were interested in the scientific world. And it, it, I, I tell this to my listeners and I tell, uh, tell this to people that I work with um, when they say, well, you know, when I was young, I wanted to be this or I wanted to do this. And now as an adult, it's not possible for me to do that. For example, they wanted to be a professional baseball player. And now at the age of blank, they feel like, well, that'll never happen. But if that was their real um, dream, if that was what really um, made them connect with themselves and made them feel this, you know, um, utopia mindset, the, the, you know, um, happiness and joy and, and that interconnection with their light within them, um, yeah. they think that they have to give that up because they're not physically capable of being for example, a professional baseball player. Yeah. But there are other options that we can look at. Um, yes. is, there's, a, um, there's a gentleman by the name of uh, Dave Mellor, and he, was, um, he had dreams of being a professional baseball player. And he was in two horrific accidents where he was hit not once but twice by a vehicle. Oh, wow. yeah. And it basically destroyed his legs where he could never be uh, a baseball player. Mm. But he went on to become um, a very famous groundskeeper for a very famous major league baseball team. And he designs the infields and he, you know, he's not just a, he doesn't just mow the grass. He designs artwork and beautiful infield designs to baseball fields and and he's about my age okay yeah and so that story i tell that story because it ties into my point he had to give up on the dream of being a baseball player but not the dream of being and living in the baseball world so he still, yes. and, and that goes back to you. He, he looked at other options. I, I won't be able to actually play as a player, but he found an alternative and an option that kept him alive, excited, motivated, and inspired in his life by still being in the game just in a very different way. And what you said before we went to break that that's kind of what I got from that is because you wanted to be in the scientific world. You, your mind worked that way and you're still in, in science to some degree, 
but you're a writer and you're not a scientific writer, um, you know, fantasy yeah. thriller um, type writing, but you are still incorporating the scientific aspects to your younger self. And so I wanted to tie that in. I hear from people that say, I can't pursue my all-time dream and my all-time goals and the things that made me happy as a child because this is where I'm at as an adult. And there's always an alternative option or an alternative way to bring that dream alive yes. into our adult years, even though it's not the exact same thing. Okay. And yeah, I'll expand on that because uh, yeah. I think that hearing where I want to go and kind of my, diff my different paths about how I think about my own future might help people when they think about their own, their respective futures. So um, I'll, I'll first say that taking the baseball example, because I love baseball. I think that when people go back to their childhood and they think about, well, what do, what, what is my dream? I think a lot, especially for a lot of boys, like, you know, all my friends, we could pick baseball player, professional basketball player, you know, name a special sports league. And, you know, odds are you go into any elementary school in the country and like half of the boys want to be that. Actually, nowadays you might have half the boys want to be professional video game streamers. Um, but right. at least when I was in elementary school, that's what it was. And um, what, what I always, how I think about it is this, how did that make you feel? Because if mm -hmm. we get realistic, the people and the people who work in self-help, the people who tell you that, that anything is possible, um, they're either on crack or they're trying to feed you crack because that, it's not true. Not, not anything is possible. But this is where we think we get all when we hear that and someone just crushes us there because we want to believe everything's possible. But then when someone tells us not, we go, well, like, great. I dream all the things I want to do, toss them away. That's not going to happen. But it's like, no, because although you can't make anything happen because if that was true, then you could decide to fly and you'd fly tomorrow. And if you can fly with wings, you know, you're doing things that most people can't. Right. So that's right. probably not possible, but what is possible is to feel any way you want. And yes, there's ways to do that really fast and to shortcut it really fast. That's what most people do. They shortcut it and they find some escape. They find some drug, whether it be, you know, a substance, whether it be, um, you know, a medium that they do, like whether they're losing themselves inside, even a book can be a drug to a certain extent, whether it's a movie, they're finding something that alters their neurochemistry and sh short circuits what they want to do. And it's, it fades really fast, but it, it's real and they can feel anything they want. And I'm sure you could find the right guy in the streets who can sell you a drug that makes you feel any way. You can feel like you're in the major leagues. You could feel that good. Like you just hit a home run and won the world series. That's possible. But, and we all think like, well, great. Those two extremes. I know that, but I don't want the after effects of that because, you know, obviously when you do something that isn't real, that alters your brain chemistry in that way, the side effects of that long-term and short-term aren't good. And then the other end, if I can't ever really reach my dream, then, you know, what am I, you know, you look at it and you go, there's no real options here, but I think there's a middle ground and you were alluding to this and you even said it. And I, I, I want to look at it from my perspective and then to bring it back to the future. Um, but what, how I view it is you have those two options, but there's a middle one and it's not easy. It's just, it's just as hard as being a major league baseball player, but it's finding something related to that, that gives you the same feeling. And like you said, a groundskeeper, unbelievable. You, that's hard to learn being a groundskeeper at that level. It really is. That's not easy to do it that well and to be amazing at keeping the diamond 
pristine and beautiful for tens of thousands of people in the stadium watching and probably millions at home or hundreds of thousands at home watching. Like that is very much a talent and a skill that has real value. And it probably is very much related to baseball. I would think that could probably provide him with something, a similar feeling. Now, okay, maybe you're the kid who's dreaming of, you know, being a baseball player. You realize you're, you know, 50 years old now. It's probably hard to make the LB at this point. So you don't want to be a groundskeeper because you go, okay, whenever I clean the yard, I hate that. Okay, fine, scratch that. But there's a lot of other things you could do. First of all, you don't need to be involved with the MLB to be involved with baseball. You can coach a high school team. You can coach a college team even. And then who knows, maybe you can make it to the MLB that way. That's another path, right? Mm-hmm. You can be a personal trainer. If you're more entrepreneurial, I'm an entrepreneurial guy. You can start your own business around basically training little league baseball players and be involved in it, right? Whatever gives you that. And the big thing is this, you might be sitting here going, I have no clue what that is. And I can't tell you what that is, but you can experiment. It's your job to experiment and to see what gives me, I would do the chill on the arm test. What makes me feel like that good? Like, yes. And when it gives you that high, you know, keep going back to it because it's a healthy high because as humans, we are addicts. We can't escape that. We want the rush of dopamine. And I'm not telling anyone to forsake that, but I'm saying, okay, there's one way to get it. That's probably impossible. There's another way to get it. That will destroy your life. Pick a way in the middle that will still give you that, but will actually be really good for your family and will be good for yourself in the long run. And this is how I look about it for my future. So to get to where I am today, you, you said that, you know, I had the choice between being a scientist or, you know, something else. And I chose to kind of combine it. Um, why I chose to do that was both strategic and out of passion because as much as I like science, I do like the big ideas in science, but I loved storytelling. I almost didn't think it was possible because storytelling, you know, with the MLB, you kind of like can trick yourself. Like people tell you, coaches go, maybe you could do it. But with storytelling, there's no parent telling you, like no coach or teacher telling you, well, you can, you can be a a best-selling author one day. No one says that, right? That's the kind of dream that everyone shoots down (laughs) from the beginning. So that's just a dream you go like, that's impossible from the beginning. And um, I don't think all dreams are, even like, again, you, if you're 15 watching this and you want to be in the major leagues, I'm not saying that isn't possible, right? But what I realized is this, okay, I have this passion for science. I have this passion for writing. My unique value that I can bring to the table is there's a million people who are way smarter at science than me. There's probably a million people who are way better writers than me, but there's probably less people who are better at writing the specific topics that I want to write about, which have to do with futuristic science stuff. So that kind of narrows the competition for me to get to my ultimate dream, which is to be, um, I'll say successful author. And to me, successful author means someone who's able to make a living solely off of fiction. Now, if I was to get real about that number, there's probably around a thousand people throughout their lifetime who get to make a living uh, for 30 years or more, a real career out of writing fiction. You know, basically you do have a better shot at making an MLB and that you truly do. Um, so, and there's probably more competition in this world. So it's very, very hard, but this is where I look at it right now. I'm still going for that dream. Is there a guarantee that I'll reach there? <sighs> you know, like and I, I say, like, I'm very hopeful and I work really, really hard. I've sacrificed a lot. That's why I tell people like, you know, you don't need to sacrifice everything I do to get to your goal. Cause my goal happens to be a goal that is fairly unrealistically, if you look at it objectively. So have I made progress? Yes. I've made a lot of progress. I have a long way to go, but I'm confident I can actually get there pretty soon. Um, now, on the actual realistic chance that I don't get there, right? Just objectively looking at it, most writers don't hit that level. I've developed skills by doing that, right? Mm-hmm. And if you play baseball for years, odds are you develop skills too. 
that will allow you to provide value in that world in a way that still gives you that fulfillment, but can still make sure that you can eat because at the end of the day, we all need to eat and provide a roof over our head to make sure our family can eat, right? So for me, that backup plan, because I, I do think it's important to think in reality, like it's great to go off your dream, but you have to have some sort of, um, if your dream tends to be something that's very hard to do and there's a lot of variables that are out of your control, you need to have a backup plan with variables that you can control and that you can make sure that output results in you eating because I, you know, if you don't eat at the end of the day, like we really failed, right? So for me, right. that, that backup plan is I've learned how to run Facebook ads fairly well. Um, I've learned how to run an online digital business and can sell any product pretty well, pretty effectively. Um, the products that I'm good at creating happen to be books and I, I want to get a lot better at both marketing and creating them, but I, I've learned marketing skills so I can work in marketing for various agencies. But what I really have kind of geared myself up to do is become a publishing consultant for publishing companies that I could go that down that road. I can actually start my own publishing company, which instead of me creating the work, okay, maybe my books didn't do it. I can help other authors get there and I can offer ideas. And I know that world enough now where I truly could do that. And mm -hmm. then another route that I could go is consulting with tech firms and venture capital firms about the science and technologies that I write about. And again, I'm not there today. I can't do that tomorrow. It's why I'm getting my degree and going to college. Right. And that's, that's what I got to do. And I'm actually really excited about that because that will also help my main dream because that'll help me improve as a writer who's developing all those skills. So basically take it back to your situation. How I look at it is to reach my dream, there's a specific skill set that I need to have. And that skill set, me providing value in that specific way, hopefully it works out and I'm going to do everything in my power to make it happen. And as I said, as we speak right now, April, 2020, I'm, hopefully optimistic and you know definitely pushing for it and i'm not going to give up on that but the other side of it is this those same skills that i'm developing also can provide value in other ways right and those other ways i've taken time to realize how and i'm going to in the next steps of my life continue basically furthering those skills increasing the value of those skills so that basically it's a net positive no matter what either the next decision I make helps me develop skills that help me become a better writer and become better at selling my own books, or they help me sell other people's books and be involved in the whole writer science and technology world in a different way. Mm -hmm. So it took a lot of work to get to where I am today. And I got a lot of work to keep going, but I've had a fun the whole time because the common denominator is the entire time I'm spending my whole life in this whole world of science, technology, writing, fiction, story. And I'm going to continue doing that no matter what. I figured out a way, basically, no matter what happens, I don't need to sell a dollar of books for my whole lifetime. And I'll figure out a way to be involved with my passion. And that's definitely possible. And it took definitely to get to where I am, took a lot of sacrifice, um, took a lot of planning. Um, but it also, and this is important to remember, it's only taken three years. And I need about another three or four years. And I can for sure have the skills developed for the rest of my life to make a living off something like that. And I think that realistically three and five, between three and five years, if you give yourself not doing full time, I was in school for a lot of this. I was working a lot, just part time for three to five years. If you do something and develop a real tangible skill related to your passion, and sometimes hopefully directly related to your passion, in turn, that skill has real value to provide to the world. And it's your job to make connections with the people who want that value and then to give it to them. So that, that's my big advice on that. It's how I'm approaching the future of my life um, in just a realistic mindset. And I think that's how everyone else can approach it because 
to realistically say that like everyone listening to this pod, podcast, let's say by some chance that everyone wants to be a coach in the major leagues right now, listening to this, we're just using that example. And I like it. I love baseball. Um, that's, that's probably, you know, it's basically impossible. Statistically, it's a very low chance, but what isn't impossible is for everyone here to be a coach of a baseball team. Seriously. Like if that's what you want to do, you want to be involved in that, go do it. And it isn't impossible for everyone to train kids how to be better baseball players. Just like, you know, analogy, like I'm kind of doing a similar thing with my whole writing thing. So that that's my big advice on that. And that's how I'm approaching it. And hopefully you guys can take something from it. Oh, that's, that's right on. Um, you know, as you were, as you were talking and going through, um, you know, that, that perspective of yours, I was, I, I was thinking about and remembering the, the phrase, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. Yes. And while you were talking, I was like, okay, this young man is on a journey. He's on a journey to number one, find value in his life for himself to keep himself positive and, and to keep him, keep himself loving himself, you know? And, and, uh, and it's yeah. like, I, I, I love what I'm doing and I, and I, and I'm proud of me. Um, in, and, and at the same time, simultaneously providing value to the world. Um, with so many different things that you covered there, as far as your options and alternatives, um, you've removed obstacles and walls before you've ever reached them. Um, because you, in your mind, you have already formulated, if this doesn't happen, I'll veer to the right and I'll go this route. I'll veer to the left and go this route. And so you are opening up valuable alternative choices to yourself before you even are faced with making those decisions. Yes. And where I got that from, that's right. On. That's visualization. That's visualization. Um, I visualize a lot. I'm a big believer in visualization, but a common thing that a lot of people get wrong is that we always have to think positively. And if we think positive, a positive outcome happens. Hmm. That is just unequivocally not true. Like it's just, there's been many experiments formed by psychologists, both Stanford, Harvard, big universities. And basically thinking positive does not result in a positive outcome. It does not. Um, because at the end of the day, almost every action we have has an equal and opposite reaction that we also can't control. Like that's just physics, but it's also just life. Like, like if I want to be an author, right, I can do all these different things with creating the story and writing. I'm full control of that. I'm in full control of who I send my Facebook ads to and how and Amazon ads to, but I'm not in control of that specific conversion rate in a day. I'm not in control of how much people are going to read the books. And that's just an example with me specifically, but it's like that with anything you do. You're not in control of everything. So you have to look at it. What are the realistic options of what could happen? You know, aliens aren't coming. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's, you know, you got to think within reason, like <laughs> the 99% chance, what are the range of outcomes going to be and prepare for different scenarios within that range. And who does that? And who's a master at that is Michael Phelps. Um, what he was really good at was visualizing and his coach would tell him, think positively, visualize you winning that race. And he would do that and he visualized winning it, but he got bored with it. And his coach would always say, think positively. But Michael Phelps started thinking about, okay, what happens if during this race, again, what he can control, he's in this race swimming and his goggles break and water floods in them. What happens? So then he knew, okay, if I'm visualizing this intensely, I've got 19 strokes, get to the next one and then 20 after, right? Like so, and he visualized exactly what he needed to do if water was in his eyes, he's basically swimming blind. Flash forward to the 2008 Beijing Olympics. That happened when he was in the 200 meter butterfly. And that is like worst case scenario for a swimmer. You would think like, oh my God, like, you know, how do you get over that? Right? Well, he simulated in his brain that terrible scenario. 
thinking pretty negatively, but it happened. And guess what? He overcame it. He got the gold. And that to me, that's just the most poignant example. And there's a million others about definitely think about all scenarios that can happen realistically. Don't let anxiety come in. Think logically and think about how can I overcome the obstacles coming in my way? Because it's not about, it's not about the result. It isn't about the result. It's about making sure that during that journey, you let nothing stop you from living your best life. And I'll actually add on to it. It's really not about the result. And I know this for a fact because I've experienced this myself and learned a huge life lesson. I'm lucky to learn this early, but I had this dream slash I thought that it would make me super happy and that it would be amazing um, to graduate number one in my class. That was my goal. I wanted to get the highest GPA in my school. And I worked really hard to do that. And when I got it, it officially like, you know, came in, I was like, wow, I did it. I was not happy about it at all. It was like this five second high that faded. Right. And I realized that the entire journey to get here was absolutely miserable. It was a miserable journey. And then I got to the end result and I didn't feel that great about it besides for like five seconds. So my biggest thing to everyone is, you know, that journey you, that you want to get to that end goal, even if an obstacle knocks you down, right? Like you simulate through a million possibilities and one comes up and you don't anticipate that obstacle knocks you down and you don't get to where you're going in the time frame that you want. Or maybe you don't get exactly to where you thought you wanted to go. Getting there doesn't feel much better anyways. It is about that journey and it's about, okay, today, meaning two days you listen to this podcast and every day forward, I am now engaging in trying to live my best life and engaging in my passion and you will feel it immediately. That fulfillment isn't delayed until you become, in my example, a best-selling author or a major league baseball player, right? That fulfillment comes immediately and it doesn't leave. And when you reach that end goal, it doesn't really get much better, which is actually really awesome because that it's like feeling that is super possible and it can happen overnight. It just takes a shift in your mindset and then a shift in your behavior, which isn't easy. I'll be the first to say it, but it's necessary. Right on. Um, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that is good stuff. And I'm sure the listeners got the same uh, out of that, out of that as I did. The, the value can be experienced now and it can be experienced um, next week, next month, next year. Uh, the value and that, that excitement okay, can be experienced in the now. And, and if I hear what you're saying, and I, I, think, I think I did, I think I heard it right, um, you're, you're basically telling people that they don't have to wait to the finish line to get that feeling. It's possible now with a simple mind shift. Exactly. Or with with a shift in in their thinking and in in their alternative options to what they've always wanted to do. Precisely. And And that finish line. Yeah. And that finish line that we all go for because we're we're goal setting creatures. We have we have things that and results that we seek. My biggest advice is that whatever that finish line is, make it something that truly provides value to the people around you. The journey is about you. The journey is about your fulfillment. That's what it's about. But that end goal, if that end goal is solely to benefit you, again, I'm not going to knock you for it. You have all the power to do it because you worked hard to get to that end goal. But 
when you can provide that value to other people, I think that that becomes more special because that value in the end, that end result that you hit isn't going to mean too much to your life. But if for instance, you're working really hard to retire early, if you're working really hard to hit this certain number a year that you want to make on your business, if you have a business, whatever you want to do, right? Make sure that when you do that, in the end, that angle that you want to reach, it's helping the people around you. Because not only will that help lift them up to get to the same fulfilling place that you are, but it feels really, really good too. It feels way better than just celebrating by yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's my my last point on it. Make the end result um, something that is not about you, something bigger than you. And when you have that to fight for and that to go for, it's even more motivation besides the fulfillment you feel every day. If there's an obstacle that kind of knocks you down and you're not feeling it for a little while, it's even more motivation to keep going forward because when something's bigger than you and about more than you, oftentimes it's just the most motivating and special feeling when you, when you finally get it because uh, it feels, in my opinion, a lot better to know that your child or to know that your, your significant other or to know that your family, or to know that your community, to know that the children in your local food bank, that they benefited from all the awesomeness you felt throughout those years, months, weeks, or decades, rather than just yourself. But you can benefit too. There's a balance. Absolutely. Well, um, we're, we're coming down to the very end of this uh, amazing episode, and I, I want to thank you. Uh, Michael, for being on the Man at 50 podcast. Um, You shared some great insight. I encourage my listeners of any age, whether you're 20 to 60 or somewhere in between, I think there is a tremendous amount of value that, you know, speaking of value, you can uh, experience uh, a lot of value uh, just by simply listening to this podcast and uh, to the words, thoughts, and perspectives of author Michael Evans. His current book is The Conspiracy Chronicles. Um, That is the current book that is out now, or the series that that is out now. And his website is mevansinc.com, but we'll go ahead and put that website in the show notes so you can click on it and go right to his his, website. his website. Um, But we have uh, been talking to an amazing young man, Michael Evans. He is 18 years old, published nine books, uh, nine novels, not uh, not just books, right? But nine novels and five novellas. And um, I just had a couple couple other points here before we wrap up, Michael. Um, I wanted to find out, are you self-published or do you have a publisher? Oh yeah, totally self-published, totally self-funded for all this. I'm pretty big on that. Very big. I wouldn't amazing. I would not take a traditional publishing deal, even if it was seven figures. And I I mean that. Right. Uh, well, and and is that uh I'm gonna throw this out there. Is that because you want to retain control of, of your work? Is that what is that one of the reasons? To- uh n- yes and no. In all honesty, it's from a pure economical perspective. Mm-hmm. Like in the long run, I can make a lot more money developing intellectual property and maintaining the rights and keeping full profits myself because I think about it, I 
probably going to live to around 80 because that's the average life expectancy, probably around there, you know, like just that's, that's how I logically mind, think about yeah. things. So I got 62 years to benefit off all the intellectual property I create. And then whoever I pass it down to, whether that be if I have a family and children, whoever, they've got 70 years to benefit from it. So I think about it that way. And I'm like, if I could even get, you know, 10 years from now, each series to generate me two to $3,000 a month. Right. And that's what I have going on in the background over years and years and years and years that will far surpass what anyone's willing to pay me today. Mm -hmm. And that, uh, that comes from someone with a, with a magnificent scientific mind, obviously, um, uh, someone that, that like myself, that doesn't have a scientific mind. Um, I, I couldn't have even formulated what you just said, but I, I understand your perspective. I understand where you're coming from. Um, cause that's a very scientific way to think of it. I'll also make it clear, uh, if, no one's offered me a million dollars for my books also. Like that hasn't <laughs> happened. I'll make that clear. But so, I'm just an example. That would be yeah. pretty cool if that happened. That, yeah, that would be way cool for, for all of us, right? Um, I'll tell you what, we're going we're gonna to wrap up. And uh, just, you know, I want to thank you again. Um, the, the things that we've talked about today, I think, are very valuable. Um, they're interesting. They're amazing. And, uh, and our guest has provided us with some really, really great content and, and information. Um, to step back for, you know, five seconds, uh, um, when, when I was young, I wanted to be a singer. I wanted to be Elvis. Uh, my nickname was Elvis growing up, and uh, I wanted to be in front of people. And uh, just like we talked about earlier, um, I have gained so much value from, from our interaction and from talking to Michael today um, that I would have never gotten uh, if I hadn't made the choice to do what I'm doing now. Um, you know, I wanted to be a singer and, and I wanted to tell jokes, make people laugh and, and entertain. Um, and and in, in, in essence, I, um, I have made a change in that dream, but I am in fact, pursuing that very dream. I am interacting with people yeah. and I am helping people. Uh, I'm speaking to people, mentoring people. And, and, and so I, I'm, I'm living my dream. Um, yeah. Finally, and it, it took me 50 years to make that decision and make that choice, but I'm living the dream. Um, and, uh, and music really isn't involved, you know, in, in, unless I put it into the podcast or or sing yeah. uh, to someone that i meet but uh you know uh it once again i'm i'm still doing that so um and i am very grateful for my guest today michael evans um thank you uh, sir for joining me on the man at 50 podcast and it has been a great interview um thank you for sharing your value with me um i'm so happy that i made the decision that i did to, to change my life around. Um, without making that decision, you and I would have never met. Yeah. And, uh, and I am a better person for, uh, for, have, met, for have met you and, uh, and have gained from your insight. So um, I want to thank you very much for being on the podcast. Any last words, um, anything you want to tell the listeners uh, uh, along with your website? And we'll have that in the show notes. Any, uh, any, any parting words uh, for the listeners, Michael? Yeah, I'll say one quick thing. Uh, hopefully everyone's staying, uh, if you're listening to this around April 2020 when this is being um, recorded, hopefully everyone's 
staying safe, staying healthy. Uh, I know there's probably a lot of people out there on the front lines listening to this, which thank you if you're out there working hard, keeping society functioning. And if you're at home, like also a lot of us spending a lot of time at home, um, I implore you to just take advantage of this time um, because there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be taking the easy route to those dopamine hits. If you know what, and you know what I'm alluding to, and I'll, I'll overtly just say people are going to be drinking, smoking, doing all these things, um, you know, to get high and waste their time and escape right now. And there's times and places for that. But right now, in my opinion, is not a time for that. It's a time to focus on that middle path that we talked about of finding a realistic way and pursuing multiple realistic ways that you can find that fulfillment and that same high every day of your life. So I'll end it off there. And, and thank you again for having me on. You're very welcome. Uh, that is our guest today, Michael Evans, and uh, you can visit him online at mevansinc.com. It'll be in the show notes. Uh, once again, thanks, Michael, and I want to thank everyone uh, out there listening to the Man at 50 podcast. We will be back with another episode um, at a soon-to-be-announced date and time. Uh, we're kind of taking them uh, day by day as far as scheduling the episodes go because uh, nobody really is on a regular routine schedule. So until next time, folks, uh, take care of yourself. Don't forget to love your little me and uh, take care of your grown-up self and make sure that you are living the dream that your little me is needing you to live. Um, remember, got to go back uh, to move forward. Um, love and prayers to all of you. Be safe, be healthy, and until next time, I'm your host, S. Richard, of the Man at 50 podcast. Take care for now, and thanks for joining us. This has been the Man at 50 podcast. Please join us next week for another episode, and you can visit our website at outskirtspress.com forward slash man at 50 the book.